As we transition our pharmacy business models out of the transaction economy and into the service advice and wisdom economy, we need smart tools to deliver us timely, actionable insights on a day-to-day basis to allow us to connect more deeply and more meaningfully with our patients. And this week, we're joined by the CEO of Guildlink, Ross Gallagher, who's going to share the best learnings from some of the best exponents of Guildcare right around Australia. Welcome to the Transformation Show where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, all the way through to episode 98. Well, we're getting close to 100, aren't we? It's uh, only a couple of weeks away, and it's been a fantastic journey that I've loved sharing with every one of you along the journey. If you've been with us since day one, thank you. I appreciate it more than you know, and thank you for inserting me into your eardrums every week. I hope you and your business have benefited from it. And if you have, and you've taken something away and implemented it into your business, I want to hear about it. Hit me up on a private email at robert at robertstar.com. And I'd love to know what you've taken away from the last nearly 100 episodes of Transformation. I would love to be able to share some of these in episode 100. So please feel free to send those across. That's right, at robert at robertstar.com as well. So this week's show, we're joined by Ross Gallagher the CEO of Guildlink. Now, for most of us, we're pretty familiar with the Guildcare platform. It's been around for a couple of years and it's been right at the centre of our professional services implementation. There's a lot of information we need to capture, monitor, remind ourselves to do, and that's been a great platform for us to be able to do that. Right here in the Transformation Lab, as I may have shared already, it's a live breathing community pharmacy. We've had zero patients from the beginning and we've had to build that customer base right throughout the last two to three months. And to be able to do that, we've needed to understand our patients really, really closely and pay attention to every opportunity that comes our way. So these pop-ups are being viewed as very useful, timely insights that we can actually take that conversation down the pathway of a professional service, a DAA, or anything that's related, HMR referrals, meds checks, it all progresses from there. So we need to be paying attention to those alerts as they pop up and not just being clicking them away, wondering whether or not they're actually useful or not, because it really helps us to transition our businesses away from the transaction economy and into the service and professional services model. As we're going to hear from Ross, is he's going to share some great learnings from a number of professional services experts around Australia who are using Guildcare to get great results in their pharmacies. So you're going to get a lot away from that as well. Anyway, I'm not going to spoil this week's interview. We're going to jump right into that in just a moment. But before you do that, have you checked out Transformation Magazine issue four? It is chock full of nine strategic insights and articles and supported by over 12 hours of video and audio to help take you and your business to the next level in 2016. If you haven't checked it out already, 
head across to robertstar.com forward slash free magazine and you'll claim your free subscription as well as five exclusive bonuses that you will not get anywhere else and will also help boost your business in 2016. So we're going to head into this week's interview. Enjoy. We're going to get into our next action straight afterwards so we can take action and improve our professional services in our businesses today. Our interview today is with Ross Gallagher. He's the CEO of Guildlink, which is a 100% owned subsidiary of the Guild that have been responsible for electronic CMI distribution since 1999, drug images, medicines information, project stop, and are now enabling pharmacies to make professional services part of their day-to-day operations. Ross Gallagher, welcome to The Transformation Show. Oh, g'day, Robert. How are you? Oh, really good, Ross. Really good. And uh, certainly, we're, weather's certainly picking up over here. And uh, it's great to have you on the show to talk about uh, the Guildcare platform, which I know a lot of our listeners are probably not getting their biggest value out of. And I uh, hope by the end of today that, uh, you know, certainly maximising their success with it. No, look, it's uh, my, my pleasure to be here, Robert. And um, real, real fan of your show and... Uh, you know, looking forward to uh, sort of ho- hopefully sharing some light or shedding some light with your uh, your regular listeners. Ah, fantastic, fantastic. And I guess for, for our listeners, you know, I'd love to know what, why you're so passionate about pharmacy and why do you believe technology plays such a critical role in running a 21st century pharmacy? Well, well it's interesting. My background is, is not healthcare and it's not pharmacy. Um, I was originally uh, appointed to Guildlink for a two-year contract um, back in... 2006, um, and here I am 10 years later. So um, it was originally to conduct a, a specific project for Guildlink, um, but I think it was, it's one of those things as I went through the process and obviously had a lot of dealings with pharmacy, um, you know, both from a Guild perspective but also out into the network. Um, you know, the, the passion, uh, the services they actually provide, it's just something that... Um, uh, I guess I, I really share the vision of where pharmacy is and where it needs to, to be moving into the future. And, uh, you know, if I didn't like what I was, what I'm doing, I wouldn't be here now. So I, I get the challenges and there's, there's quite a few, but I also get there's a lot of opportunity as well. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that you say with, with respect to opportunity, it really comes back down to the the, uh, what's available from a technology perspective is, is what's one of the, the key things that I think um, is a real game changer within the industry moving forward. And I think, you know, the adoption of technology, it's, it's really no longer an option. Um, I think it's really one of those things that you've either got to embrace it or you probably really struggle to survive moving into the future. Yeah, and certainly we're, we're uncovering some very unique and wide-ranging professional services in our profession right now and uh, for each pharmacy to embrace and really represent, uh, you know, their best talents to their community, you know, they're needing to do a lot more with less in, in a sense because of the massive changes we've seen in the last 15 years, PBS reforms, we obviously don't need to focus on that, but, you know, we can't be everything to everyone and uh, I guess technology just gives us that connection to our customers that perhaps, uh, you know, just wasn't possible um, in the past. Oh, look, I agree. I think, Robert, if you, you, you look back that not that long ago, um, remember dial-up internet. Uh, and when, when it first happened, you know, I guess people were out there 
I was sort of saying this internet's not all that it's cracked up to be, but look, just look how that's progressed, you know, over over the last, you know, 15 years. And I guess it's the same with technology in, in pharmacy. Um, you know, we've had e-scripts, you know, TBS online. Um, you know, if you look at those sorts of initiatives, and even from, you know, I look at our platform and look at where we started from and um, look at where we're at now, the, the technology's just got better and better. But one thing I will say, and I think, you know, we've spoken about this previously as well, is technology is just one component of it, though. It, it actually doesn't get, get out and talk to the patient. Um, but if it can help streamline a process, um, make life easier for a pharmacist, um, then I think, you know, that's a good thing. But ultimately, you know, a lot of uh, the engagement with patients will, will come back to, you know, change management within an individual pharmacy, um, you know, across the industry as a whole, but uh, you know, ultimately, that it's up to the pharmacist to use the technology um, in conjunction with their skills to sort of get out the front and, and talk to the patient. Yeah, well, certainly we're, we're receiving a lesser profit margin per prescription. It only stands to reason that we need to reduce our costs of producing prescriptions and the supply function, which technology has always really done really well with. Um, but typically in the clinical side of things, um, particularly when we benchmark ourselves against our GP and allied health colleagues, uh, they've certainly had a leg up on us for a while now in uh, you know recording that clinical information, and I guess playing that uh, more uh, comprehensive role with with patients. Yeah, look, I, I would agree with that. Um, and, and, and it's an interesting point that you raise. If, if I look at, you know, Gilcare, um, it's, it's a relatively new business. Um, you know, realistically, Gilcare has been around since, you know, 2010, just quite uh, before the fifth agreement. Um, and, and if you have a look at what it all came about was, uh, you know, it was from you know, people sitting down with government, talking to government and saying, listen, community pharmacy delivers a lot of these services. And I guess it was that typical uh, feedback that we've all heard from time to time, you know, if it wasn't recorded, it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so I guess we're at a point now, um, particularly, uh, you know, I know what the, the core focus of what we were trying to do initially was to provide a platform where pharmacists could actually record all that activity um, with a view of, you know, initially showing the worth of community pharmacy um, and, and also just the range of services that community pharmacy does actually uh, provide. Yeah, and, and certainly we've seen some terrific examples in, in, in recent weeks as well. Um, Jared McMore in a recent episode talks about sleep apnea and obviously the lack of yep. computerisation in recording some of those details. Nick Bover with regards to compounding and having to bring together a whole range of systems and in his case having to develop an entire ERP platform to streamline operations in his business. So I guess, you know, where pharmacists are going to explore these pathways, uh, the technology will need to follow. Look, ab absolutely. Um, you know, certainly I know from a Gilcare perspective that uh, you know, we, we have around 30 different programs on our platform and, and one of the things we are trying to do or, um, or where we're trying to position ourselves is the one-stop shop for professional services. So um, just so whatever type of service you do want to provide, there is that ability to do it in a systemised um, you know, structured structured way with the ability to record the, the outcomes. Interestingly enough, um, you know, we, we don't have a sleep apnea module at this particular point in time, but 
we, we've actually had quite a few requests from people that we uh, look at trying to get something up there. Um, and, you know, it is certainly on our roadmap. Yeah, and certainly, you know, with so many different opportunities, we can't be everything to everyone. And I think sometimes we can be a little bit overwhelmed by looking at what's, you know, in the six CPA agreement, what we can do, but perhaps losing relevancies for our patients and probably more so focusing on, you know, what really connects in the community to, I guess, maximise the success. And I guess through that, you know, the, the clinical platforms in itself, you know, it re- probably reflect the changing role of a pharmacist as well as we transition away from that transaction and supply-based model. Um, but, you know, often one of the things we've discussed on the show, particularly with uh, Debbie Rigby in episode 79, was decision support um, in that uh, because of the, the fragments of the systems that we have, we quite often don't get all of that data provided back to us in a, in a format that enables us to make a, a quick and smart decision. But certainly with your pop-ups that, you know, we see through Guildcare, it certainly has helped us pick up some of these extra opportunities. Yeah, look, I, I think in some instances, Robert, some people will say they're irritating. Uh, I, I, it's, it's funny putting my uh, business hat on. Every time there's a pop-up, um, you know, appear, I actually really see it as an opportunity to connect with your patient. And, um, you know, we've had funny scenarios, I suppose, where we've been at uh, seminars or conferences and, and um, you know, we'll pose the question, what happens, um, you know, when four or five, you know, when the patient comes in and there's four or five pop-ups and you get the feedback, oh, we ignore them. Um, but, you know, I, I, I look at it as actually if something like that comes up, what a fantastic opportunity to connect with that patient. Um, you know, obviously... Uh, in that type of scenario, there's um, there's a few things you know uh, that are that are wrong with that patient. It's a great opportunity to actually really sit back and connect and um, you know have a, have a a, a really meaningful uh, discussion you know with your patient about their uh, their their current um, health. Yeah, well, certainly, um, you know, as, as, we, as we can take away some of those logistics through robotics and all sorts of other things that, uh, you know, enable greater time focus for us when we meet with patients, um, you know, we've got to create that space. And I think it's in the workflow that we sometimes, you know, then, you know, might divide us between what we view as irritating in terms of those pop-ups and really useful. <laughs> um, because, you know, if you haven't transitioned your logistics workflow, it's just another reminder that you've got extra things to do that you don't have time for. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Look, I look at services, um, you know, and I, and I remember generic substitution, Robert. Um, you know, it's like everything. You need to plan and put some rigour around a plan uh, to actually make this work. So, uh, you know, one, with, with these services, the pharmacist does not necessarily have to be uh, involved in the whole process. In most instances, you, you obviously want the pharmacist, you know, sitting down and talking to the patient. But, you know, is there a, a pharmacy assistant or a tech that can, can help with some of the pre-work that's required um, just to ease the burden on the pharmacy? But, you know, sort of coming back to that generic substitution piece, you know, it's taken quite a while um, for people to get their numbers to something uh, that, that they're happy with. And if you have a look at it at the time, you actually had to put a business plan together uh, to actually make that happen. So it sort of comes back, who's going to do what? How are you going to measure it? What's the approach? Um, you know, those sorts of things are really crucial and exactly the same with services. 
Yeah, and and I guess it's just really jumping on the opportunities when we're there. I think we're seeing with generic oppo- substitution now the opportunity is declining, and if you've just got it right now, um, you know your ability to maximise success there is so much limited compared to someone who may have embraced it five years ago. And uh, I guess professional services is one of those things in that uh, you know if you are known for a particular service, you can embed that in your culture, embed that niche in the minds of your customers. That then competition in the local area um, doesn't doesn't really become a factor in those areas. Look, look, I, I would agree. I, I think um, you know, again, there's great opportunity here to, to sort of specialise in different areas. I, I think we can see it sometimes with you know compounding pharmacies. Um, uh, you know, you can establish a nice little niche in, in their specific area. Uh, you know, other services that are advertised, you know, such as things like sleep apnea. Uh, you know, health checks, those sorts of things. Uh, really, when people are looking for something that differentiates them, you know, from, I guess, the pack, uh, all those sorts of things are, um, you know, really important as well. I mean, I'll, I'll, interestingly enough, Robert, I, I, I don't have children. Um, and I remember our clinical pharmacist says, oh, look, Ross, I think we need to launch this baby progress monitoring program. And this was a few years ago. And I sort of... Um, you know, I'm not sure, Robert, do you know Aaron D'Souza? So Aaron was working yes. for us at the time and he said, oh, I think we really need one of these programs on the platform and not having kids, I, I didn't, uh, uh, sort of waited a few months before we got up and lo and behold, it was one of our um, better producing, um, you know, programs that, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, oversight on my part was the fact there are a hell of a lot of baby clinics out there. So... Um, again, sort of coming back to that differentiation piece, you know, uh, you know, baby clinics, you know, baby progress monitoring programs, uh, um, you know, an- another way to uh, establish that uh, niche, if you like. Yeah, and, and I think we're seeing overseas, we're seeing pharmacists prescribing in the US and the UK. I think if we if we all uh, follow the agenda that we're looking at the moment from our clinical perspective, pharmacists will probably be in that space reasonably soon. So I guess the roles change and certainly overseas sometimes tends to lead the way for us being US, UK. Have you seen anything, any great examples um, coming out from there that you know we can take inspiration from? Oh, look, Robert, I mean, I think the first thing first is, you know, you know, sort of coming back to something that's a little bit topical at the moment, but it's vaccinations. I mean, you know, vaccinations is something that's been done in the US, um, you know, the UK and other areas for years now. So, um, and, and obviously that's something that, uh, you know, we're starting to see legislated. And I think that's one, one uh, obviously it's influenza, but um, no doubt there's, there's scope to, increase the breadth of that um, moving moving into the future. Um, you know, a few of the programs that are uh, adopted, um, you know, as, as part of the agreement, uh, like, you know, the, our MedsCheck, for example, that, that really came from a medicines use review that was, you know, UK-based. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've adopted on our platform uh, like a new medicines um, review, which again is, is based on something that's happened in the UK. I mean, one of the big things that um, uh, is interestingly enough, I mean, both the UK and the US, they don't have, um, you know, technology platforms that can actually, you know, deliver this. So a lot of this stuff is still delivered via paper, would you believe? So um, whilst we're seeing some good things with the programs, um, you know, I think we're actually in a reasonably unique position in Australia 
um, and probably due to our size, um, that uh, we can have nearly a national systemised platform that, that helps make, make things easier. Yeah, and look, certainly, you know, the, the, the examples where you see a lot of technology in pharmacy being probably mainly US being CVS and Walgreens, they've got big divisions yep. of digital healthcare in both companies, um, but largely private, which doesn't rep, doesn't benefit everyone. Um, so in terms of providing access to every pharmacy, it's certainly something that's just as critical to a small independent than, a, you know, a big box. So yeah, absolutely. And, and, what, and what have you seen like with, with Guildcare, which is, you know, widely adopted by most Australian pharmacies, you know, what have you seen of some of the biggest mistakes that we're making in, you know, trying to, I guess, adapt our practice to be able to not only track the data to prove what we're doing really well, but at the same time, you know, developing these additional services? Look, I, I think, uh, Robert, the, the first couple of, couple of things for me is... Uh, um, you need a champion within pharmacy to implement it. What, what we often see is an owner sort of looks at it, sees the opportunity there, sees the potential commercial opportunity, um, but also uh, sees that the fact that it's a great opportunity to uh, become closer to your patient and, and try and elicit that patient loyalty. I think... Sometimes it's just immediately passed down to, you know, the manager. I, look, I want you to go and implement that. You really need buy-in, I think, from the top down. And, and it's like any business venture, um, you know, the owner needs to buy in and, and nearly walk the walk with it as well. Uh, even though they may not be in the pharmacy all the time, I think they really need to set the example um, and, you know, have their buy-in. I think just flicking it down or, you know, delegating it down um, you know, I, I see what happens in, you know, Guildlink, uh, same sort of thing. Unless, you know, I buy in at the top level, um, it's not going to get implemented. So I think that's that's one area. I think the other thing, too, is just trying to bite off more than you can chew. Um, as I say, we've, we've got around 30 programs on our, uh, on our platform now. But, you know, if you were to come to me, Robert, and say, look, I'm wanting to implement Guildcare, um, you know, the, the last thing I would be saying is you need to implement all 30 of these programs. So I think start small, uh, pick up a couple of things that, you know, are really pertinent to your pharmacy and you know, potentially your demographic and geographic area. Try and do those well and then you can build on them. Um, the, the other thing too, I think when you're looking at services, uh, rather, rather than looking just for remuneration, I'd put the patient first. Um, I think if you concentrate on providing services that are pertinent to your patient, the remuneration model will, will follow rather than sort of look at the silos and I've you know, got to do these because that'll you know, tick my uh, you know, clinical interventions um, you know, as part of the six CPA or I've got to do these meds checks as well. Um, so you know, in some instances, I think you know, we've seen people where there's caps on um, meds checks, for example, of, of 10 per month. Um, where we've had pharmacies delivering, you know, over 20 per month despite the caps. And when, when asked why they do that, they actually saw it as a really good opportunity to engage with patients, um, you know, with respect to potentially a, a, a DAA. So um, I guess that's a, a long, convoluted answer to your question, but I think there's a few different things. And I think, you know, the buy-in, don't bite off more than you can chew, um, you know, 
focus on a couple of things and do those well. Well, certainly, you know, the thing that rings out, I think, from that is just process and, and, and how you view that customer experience. We, we talk a bit about trying to map that customer experience. And, uh, you know, I think that's a great thing that if you've got patients in the example you've shown that, you know, may not want to have a DAA, but, you know, would prefer to have an engaging conversation. Um, you know, it's a great template for that, despite, despite the caps. And I guess that that's the biggest challenge that the dispensary workflow, particularly uh, for the older farm pharmacists has been yeah. such um, such regimented for a long period of time um, and it didn't involve additional things pop-ups extra bits of paper <laughs> different ticks of the boxes and so forth but I guess that's because like you pointed out there we not we're not putting the patient first we're putting a, an old process that we want to rinse and repeat all the time first um, rather than think well we could you know, tick the box perhaps in memo care, for example, to enable SMS reminders or phone reminders or email reminders to suit what the customer wants to enable that greater connection away from the pharmacy. Now, if we looked at it like that, perhaps we'd be more willing to do it as opposed to, oh, you know, it's just no time. You know, this, this is taking me a two minutes per prescription. I've got 10 baskets lined up. It's just not going to work. Yeah. So we sometimes can become our own worst enemy in getting these opportunities enabled. Oh, look, I'd agree, Robert. I mean, I think one of the big things with this, this is a new change, um, you know, the, the services piece. And although pharmacies have been delivering services for a long time, obviously with PBS reform and, you know, the way the funding's uh, allocated uh, in, in the, the agreements where there's more of a, a propensity for, uh, you know, funding towards, you know, services, um, I think it's a bit of a journey for pharmacy to take, I, you know, we're at a point now where technology can only go so far and, um, you know, I, I think technology is improving at a rapid rate. Um, a lot of this is change management. Um, you know, people have been doing certain things um, in a certain uh, uh, economic environment for a long period of time. It, it's a difficult thing to actually change. And, um, you know, I guess, you know, someone said to me, um, one of my board members said, look, Ross, you know, as pharmacists, we're good that you know when, we're good when someone comes in and asks us for advice um, that we can answer that advice and help the patient. We're probably not good at uh, initiating uh, something that might be of benefit to the patient. So things such as you know the pop-ups and you know producing some warm leads for the patient uh, for pharmacists to actually get in front, um, you know, is a good thing. Yeah, and, and certainly, I think as we've spoken about previously with some of our dose administration aid comp company colleagues, um, you know, there's that opportunity that sits there um, when you do have a number of qualified patients and, you know, whether or not you actually have those conversations and whether you can actually mark that off as an opportunity or, or potentially as something that, you know, would benefit that patient's family. They might be a, a carer that looks after an older parent yeah. and, you know, it's yeah. more relevant to the, to the care rather than the individual patient but we can't discover that without the uh, wider conversation and I guess as we come across every year um, particularly the quality care pharmacy of the year and funnily enough some of the the champions that do really well there are implementing professional services quite well and I dare say probably implement your platform quite well what do you what do you think yeah. we could be learning from them and, and you know obviously there's a, a lesson there in being an early adopter that you get to figure out what works for your pharmacy what doesn't and you get the momentum of trial and error but you know what what do you think we could learn most from them 
It's, it's a really good question. Um, you know, it's it, it's a challenge because you look at some of these guys and, and uh, you know, they've done, you know, fantastic, fantastically well. So say, for example, you look at, a, you know, a Paul Jones from, from Moody's in Bathurst um, who, you know, is won the, you know, the Pharmacist of the Year Award at QCP last year for, for services. Um, you know, he... he does things extremely well so you know I, I guess some some people will probably look at Paul and go you know I'll never be like that um, but that's okay I think you know again it sort of comes back to what these guys do they're one they're extremely patient focused so they've really got a patient-centric approach um, and you know apologies this is no um, you know uh, uh, great, great science here but it is they, they really focus in on the patient I think, importantly too, Robert, they have a plan about how they're going to do this. They know what services are going to suit their area. They know what services they want to specialise in. And, you know, they sit down and have a plan. So, and it's not just something that they deliver. Um, You know, it's something that the whole team gets the buy-in with. So, you know, no no special, uh, you know, words of wisdom other than, you know, you've got to plan this properly. Obviously, you've got to have a real propensity to, to really genuinely care about your patient. I think that's, um, you know, that that's one of the things that these guys um, attribute and, and really focus in on the areas that you want to specialise in. That, that said, um, for example, our Gill Care, um, you know, Champion of the Year last year, uh, which is Pierce's DDS Pharmacy, you know, up in... Um, up in uh, uh, Townsville, um, you know, oh, sorry, Cairns, you know, they they actually look at all the services. So they, they uh, anything that's on the platform, anything that's potentially available to their patient, uh, they look at it and try to engage with as well. So I guess the big thing with that, it's not a one-size, you know, fits all. It really comes back to where you're specifically, you specifically are. So... I think from our point of view, um, you know, the implementations of, of, of these services through all these pharmacies, it's, it's kind of not without its challenges. It, it seems very easy for these guys, but, you know, they all have their own challenges. And, um, you know, I think what we can do is with, with the platform, it helps, um, you know, I guess just a consistent platform to, to uh, record things on. It helps standardise things. Um, and it, I think probably importantly as well, with a lot of these guys, um, they're really keen to see what impact it has on the patient. So, um, you know, when you have a, a recording platform and using technology, uh, you're in a position to actually really measure, um, you know, whether you actually make an impact on a patient. And I think that really drives a lot of people yeah. to see that you make a difference. And and any and particularly around the data that we're capturing, that obviously you know we can present back to government to show what we're doing, what we're doing well, um, perhaps some untapped opportunities that had been missed. You know, what I guess what is the data showing you? Like, are there any glaring missed opportunities that you know if we just focused an extra percent on one thing would make a big difference to the businesses? Look, I mean, it's 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 really interesting, Robert, because uh, it's a good question you raise. Um, when we first launched this, it was really to show government, um, you know, that pharmacies did this. So, you know, I, on the five years that Gilcare's really been around, there's been over eight, eight and a half million 
you know, um, pharmacist-led interactions, um, you know, on the platform. So um, with with um, Gilcare, we we have a with, with respect to the data, um, we've obviously worked reasonably closely with the Guild as part of the six agreement negotiations, and you know, provided them um, various various pieces of information, you know, regarding clinical interventions, for example, meds checks. Um, I think, you know, where the data's also been very useful, and I, it comes back a little bit to, you know, what the future will look like. If you look at the six CPA, it's very clear from the government's perspective that uh, everything needs to be evidence-based outcomes. So uh, not only will it be good enough into the future to deliver the service, but you're actually going to see whether... Um, it actually makes a difference to the patient, and that's what the government will be looking at quite closely. So, say for example, our adherence programs—you know—we are in a position where we're able to um, to monitor, you know, how patients are, are tracking against the control group, for example. Something very simple, um, you know, as a, as a molecule, uh, we can use a, a control group. Uh, we can show patients that have had a pharmacist-led intervention and there might be some follow-up, um, whether it be by the pharmacist or whether it be some, by some SMS reminders. So we can actually measure um, the difference it actually makes. And I think that's going to be really crucial, not just for the government programs, but also for any other programs that community pharmacy looks to do into the future, whether it be with health insurers, whether it be by big pharma. Uh, and, and just the... A really interesting scenario just uh, with the, uh, for example, vaccinations. And this is how data can be really used to be effective. Um, as part of the QPIP program in, in Queensland, there were three key pieces of data that came out of uh, that first pilot, which is around 10,000 patients. And these were that 50% of patients that walked in had never had a vaccination before. Um, 17%, uh, sorry, 50% were walk-ins. So one, you know, there's no appointments. 17% um, of patients had never had a vaccination before and 30% of patients had had a vaccination but not within the last 12 months. And some of those were not within, not, not within the last five years. So based on those three pieces of information uh, from that pilot, you know, states like South Australia and Western Australia were able to get um, legislation up in that specific area. So, I mean, that's that's very basic um, use of where the, where the data can come in handy, but, you know, something that's very, very pertinent, particularly when pharmacies looking for more opportunities moving into the future. Well, certainly, you know, like you've pointed out there, there are these untapped opportunities and I guess quite often there's often that turf war between doctors and pharmacists and, you know, quite often there may be opportunities that we're both missing um, and, you know, if we can uncover that through the data, particularly those who have no vaccination, I don't think we can be argued against that we're not providing patients with a better level of healthcare opportunity, particularly if they haven't engaged with their GPs for a vaccination. So it's a great outcome. Actually, I'm, you know, just re, um, taking that a little bit further, Robert. I mean, I know there is, you know, turf wars from, from time to time between, you know, the, the GPs and the, the pharmacies and the, you know, whether it be the Guild and the AMA. But, um, and I was at uh, a conference the other day, and you know, someone who was working for the AMA was, you know, 
jumping up and down and sort of saying pharmacists shouldn't be doing these health checks or these medicine use reviews. You know, that's the the, uh, the uh, ambit of the GP. And, um, you know, one of my colleagues, you know, got up and said, did you know, um, for example, that 20% of the patients that get a meds check done in pharmacy are referred back to the GP? So um, you, you, can, you can see there that, um, you know, I think, um, you know, th- there's this genuine... Um, genuine, you know, collaboration uh, between, you know, the, the uh, pharmacists and the GPs where required. So, you know, I think there's a genuine desire to do it. But uh, again, you know, interesting that you can use this data to show, um, you know, that they probably do work a little bit more closely than uh, sometimes we think. Yeah, look, certainly I think, you know, the best collaboration will always be born out of when we focus on our patients and what they need in the whole chain of primary health care. And if we all work together and, you know, hopefully, and I'm not going to open the can of worms of the electronic health record, um, <laughs> we, um, we, we certainly, you know, should be able to, you know, never have our patients repeating stories when they visit um, all of our providers and we can all be adding to that consistent record. And I guess as we start to move towards that type of environment, um, in primary healthcare, let alone pharmacy, you know, what do you see as the the biggest game changer? If you could have your pick of time and resources, what what would you love to see in pharmacies today? Well, look, I mean, just coming back to that point, I think a health record, um, you know, is something, you know, that would benefit the Australian, you know, uh, economy or um, community, you know. Just immensely. So I think you know if we can get that done successfully, and that's you know I mean that's a whole different kettle of fish, Robert. That's a um, you know it's a tough one. We know how that's progressed, and, yeah. um, you know. So, but I think you know that's probably for me. If you can do that, that's that's gold. Um, that's a gold standard. If if we can you know get that up and running. Um, look in, in terms of in terms of you know, technologies, I, I guess, you know, I can sort of look at what we're trying to do here and, and again, it's just make make things a little bit easier. We've got a new platform coming out. And I, people are just saying, you know, from our point of view, less clicks. Um, you're seeing some interesting things, obviously, you know, digital, Robert, and, and how that, uh, the impact that's making. Um, you know, there's various apps out there and there'd probably be continued to be more apps. Um, I think, you know, culture's changing as well. I think, you know, one, there's not going to be a one-size-fits-all for patients. Um, you know, I think uh, a combination of, you know, pharmacy-led interventions in pharmacy, how you're still going to uh, connect with that patient in the digital world is really important. Um, you know, if I look at some sexy things that I've, I've seen in, uh, you know, the technology piece, I, you know, or 3D printing produce a, a drug over in the US, which I found, you know, just amazing. Um, so, look, I, I don't think there's one silver bullet. Um, it, it's just a combination of things. And I think, you know, we're living in changing times, and, you know, changing cultures and how, you know, pharmacy can adopt uh, to the changing needs of just generally, um, you know, their, their constituents, if you like. 
Yeah, and look, it has made our, our patient interactions and our communications a lot more complex than what they used to be, but we're still in the business of connecting with patients and uh, helping them stay in as good health as long as possible. And uh, I think if we embrace all the tools that are available to us to deliver on that in a, in a way that's meaningful for them, we're, we're certainly uh, going to have that proud and long sustainable future. It's been great having you on the show, Ross. It's been brilliant. I know that our listeners will take in so many learnings away from the insights you You've shared and I think the data certainly does speak for itself and that we can utilize that you know in very meaningful ways to promote the pharmacist role moving forward so thank you for joining us and look forward to following your journey and inviting you back in the not too distant future okay thank you very much Robert I, I definitely agree with you about the data there's a lot there it's um, you know something that um, the government will be using um, I think you know that the pharmacist needs to be using um, Everything needs to be evidence-based into the future and, um, you know, looking forward to sharing the journey with your listeners. Ah, fantastic. Thanks, Ross. So as we can appreciate from this week's interview, there are so many different pathways every pharmacy can take, particularly with Guildcare, to help us embrace and evolve around professional services to the point of implementing everything or just focusing on a number of key things. And I've written down four key learnings and next actions for us to take away to implement effectively. And the first one is focusing on our patients. We find that if we focus on our patients, we're next we're less worried about about all the inorganic focuses of sales, upselling, substitution, all of these things that don't come naturally to us as clinicians. But if we focus on our patients and the next step in their primary healthcare journey, we're going to be able to utilize all of the platforms and the opportunities effectively, and all the sales and elements will look after themselves. Number two, then plan your services. So really decide what you're going to be really good at. And it really ties in with number three of defining your niche. So once you've decided that your community is best served by certain professional services, certain platforms, certain tools or diagnostics that you might be offering in the pharmacy, then really zero in on that and become the best pharmacy you can be around those areas. And don't try to do absolutely everything. See, too many service ladders that are placed at the front of pharmacies that offer 20 or more services, yet when you walk into a pharmacy and you ask just even the first person you come across, what do you know about this service? What's about it? And they'll be like, do we offer that? And so it's really important that the whole team, and that's number four, are across this entire professional services implementation and that we do everything well and everyone is on the same page. So it's so important that we really get everyone behind it. And as Ross shared with us, get a champion behind it. Really isolate and define a role in your business that is around championing professional services. It should be a pharmacist but it doesn't always need to be it could be an extremely motivated very engaging dispensary assistant that could do that and then it filters out to the pharmacist team as well so don't pigeonhole anyone but need to find a champion in the business to take advantage of it and i'm actually going to throw a fifth one in as well which i think is really important is 
really coming back to the focusing on our patient in number one, it really comes down to understanding what communication platforms are best suited to us. I think sometimes we get too stuck in a regimented straight line pathway around things like generic substitution. It means we don't do very well in it. And the same thing applies to things like SMS reminders. If the patient says, I don't want an SMS reminder, that's not necessarily that they don't want to hear from you or communicate, but you need to find the way that they would like to you to communicate with them. And this is where the Guild Care and Memo Care specifically gives you opportunities to decide if a patient likes landline reminders, you can set those up. If they prefer email reminders, you can set those up. And particularly, email reminders can be very useful internally because if you've got patients that don't want all of the digital communication methods, you can just simply set them up. And this is a little tool or a hack that we've played with here in the Transformation Lab is where you can set up your pharmacy email address for that particular patient. And what you can do is for people who prefer a more personal approach, you can actually utilize that reminder to trigger a phone call that you make to those patients to make sure that they're actually getting the best value out of their medicines and they're not falling short. They're not running out of medicines and they'll appreciate that interaction. And who knows, they might know that how well you do at that job and how engaging you are that they might actually say, look, maybe we do the SMS reminders. I can see that this is really worthwhile. And so you don't give up. You keep that conversation going beyond the pharmacy to enable that customer loyalty and retention factor to really kick in. And that brings us to the end of another episode of Transformation. If you've loved this week's show, leave a comment in the show notes. I always appreciate them more than you know, and I'd love to know what you're going to commit to as your next action from this week's show. You can grab that at robertstar.com forward slash episode 98 and I'd love to hear from you as I'm sure our guest today Ross would love to hear from you and he might even answer a couple of questions if you send them his way as well next week's show we've got David Bates from Workforce Guardian and we're going to cover a very topical and quite a controversial topic of how you as a pharmacy owner can exit a poor performing team member legally Without, without breaking any laws, without causing any disruption and without ruffling too many feathers, how you can do that. Because as we all know, it's one of the most difficult and th things that we don't really talk about and really focus on. We just sort of let things happen as they are, but nonetheless, it's a frustration for us. So I know you're going to love that interview and that is coming your way next week. Have a great week, everyone, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Bye for now.